say something. Hello. Adventure. Love. Connection. Risk. Passion. Evolution. Play. Life. The Archetypal Tarot Podcast. Provocative mythology for the 21st century. Hello, and welcome to the Archetypal Tarot Podcast. This is Sundara Quackenbush. Julianne Javot has moved to Hawaii, and I really, really miss her. But I am very excited to say that I will be on my way to visit her in Hawaii in a few days, and we will hopefully be coming to you with another new podcast and maybe a video, so stay tuned. But until then, I'm very excited to welcome our guest today on the Archetypal Tarot Podcast. We have Angelo Nasios, who's the author of the new book, Tarot, Unlocking the Arcana. So a little bit about Angelo Nasios. He is from Long Island, New York. He was awarded the Tarot Professionals Tarot Sophist of the Year for 2011. He has been studying tarot for over a decade and has been sharing his passion for it through informative YouTube channel videos. Currently working towards his bachelor's degree in philosophy and religion, Angelo has a deeply rooted passion for history and understanding the human condition through different disciplines. Welcome to the show, Angelo. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, great. Do I detect some Greek ancestry in that name of yours? Oh, no, it's a good old Siberian name. Oh, is it Siberian? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm... I am full-blooded Greek. Oh, you are full-blooded Greek. Wow. Yeah. A little Cypriot in there. Well, I just visited Crete last summer. It was probably the most amazing experience of my life. Yeah, the islands are very nice. We'll have to talk sometime about the ancient Crete and the Minoans and Greek mythology. <laughs> Maybe it'll come into our conversation today. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm Greek. I make everything Greek. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Greek to me. Well, welcome to the show. And so we wanted to ask you about, uh, and, you know, I'm cheating here because I've read your book, but you have a cute story about how you came to the tarot and um, how, what was your introduction like? So, yeah, my introduction to tarot, I was about probably, I think I was 13. I was in eighth grade, uh, middle school, and I befriended the goth kids there. There was a there was a small group of goth kids, you know, with black black clothing and the boots and, you know, the black hair or, you know, and they were, you know, doing uh Wiccan stuff, you know, they were, you know, practicing magic and I was like, Oh, that's so cool. And, you know, during that time, uh, you know, early two thousands, you know, two thousand two this was about you know, we had Harry Potter on T V, we had you know, Charmed and Sabrina and all, all this, you know, occult uh fun stuff. And I was like, Oh, I wanna something magical I want to I want to be magical so you know I kind of <laughs> yeah like what what kid doesn't want to be magical you know right. when you're tw when you're 13 you have no power um so I guess you know you think you you can somehow gain some power from some book but uh so I want to be like Harry Potter so I was you know delving into Wicca a little bit but at the time I was so guiltful that I you know I kind of stopped and I and I you know put that uh put that aside I went to a store where um, these girls got me a book on, Wic uh, on witchcraft. I went there to like look around, and I came across uh, the tarot decks. They had a whole section of tarot cards at the store, and the second that I saw the cards, I knew, I was like, oh, I have to have this. This is the thing that I've been looking for, you know, that will make me like Harry Potter, but, you know, he didn't read tarot cards, but, you know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, so that yeah. feels very familiar to me. I feel like there is this magical seduction that can happen in the beginning. It's sort of this honeymoon of fantasy. And um, and then, you know, when you stay down this path, interesting other interesting things start to happen. And you start to see uh, totally. a, a deeper and... Dare I say practice? The real magic is found. The real right. The you know, real the real magic. The real is magic. Found. Exactly. The real the real uh, 
the real specialness of tarot comes out when you really stick with it and you study it. And that's what happened to me. I started with tarot. I thought I was going to tell fortunes, like, oh, I'll be able to tell the future. Oh, and <laughs> Miss Cleo was on TV, too, back then. I was like, oh, I kind of want to be like her, you know, not thinking, you know, she was, you know, a, a, an actor at the time. You know, like, oh, I want to be like that, you know, you know, tell people, you know, yeah, that's the baby daddy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, when I, I stuck with it, I, you know, I, then I did, you know, I started reading into numerology and astrology and all types of metaphysics, psychic abilities at that time, too. I was having dreams that were coming true. Um, mm. And, you know, I was just trying to connect to that. And um, Tara really helped me connect to a whole, like, it was basically like the floodgate opened. It's like the, the um, you know, like, what do they call it? The, um, the gateway drug. Tarot is like the gateway drug, <laughs> the gateway drug of divination. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Um, so your life was transformed when you came across the tarot, and it's really become your path. Um, and you've written this beautiful book about it. Thank you. Um, yeah, and, and it's published by Schiffer, and they did an outstanding job with the actual book itself. Like, it's a beautiful hardcover book, and it's oh, yeah. um, as it features the Hermit card from the Tarot Illuminati from Eric Dune. Oh, that is, it's such, I, I opened it from the package when you sent it to me and I just was blown away. It was such a beautiful book to just open up and experience and, and uh, to have on the shelf and to reference. So, um, and what, one of the things I really liked about it is that in those beginning chapters, you're very personal and personable, like you are on this chat um, that we're having now, but um, you've got your personal story there and then you go into a very clear articulation and understanding of how the tarot works, which I, I've not really seen as much in other tarot books. I mean, you've probably read way more than I have, but um, I have not um, seen this really clear breakdown before of different beliefs about how it works. And I could definitely see where, you know, where I kind of fall in and where Julian and I fall into our, um, I, I would say, and I'll have you talk about this a little more for our audience, mm -hmm. but we fall under the psychological understanding of the archetypes and the, the and the imagery and the tarot and, um, you know, using it so much for personal exploration and understanding. And, but you really got a camp for everyone posted up there that, and, yeah. and I think, and I think in the end it probably doesn't matter. It's just really helpful for you, no matter what you believe. Um, but I was just thinking it might be useful for our audience to talk a little bit about um, these ideas about how the tarot works and and for our audience to explore, you know, which one feels resonant for you. Definitely. You know, and you mentioned that, that um, like there's, I go into detail about that subject and I give different options. And I think that was like one, one of the goals definitely of the book was to talk about things that kind of get overlooked a little bit in tarot and definitely the, you know, how tarot works is often, you know, addressed briefly. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh -huh. and, and I wanted to, you know, give, put a little meat to that subject and, and other subjects too. Um, but definitely when, yeah, when it comes to how tarot works, like I had family over the other couple of weeks ago last month and um, family cousins and, you know, they know about the book and stuff like that. And she was asking me like, how does this work? You know, exactly. Like, you know, how to, how can you read for someone like over the internet, for example, and, like I'm not there, like they, because you know they, they don't know anything about this. And so I explained to them, I go, there's there's the supernatural, and then there's a natural way of looking at tarot. Yeah. Um, do you think you know it's safe to say most people will fall into the supernatural? I would say, um, and I'm out on the limb here. Who knows? But I would say people historically have believed the supernatural approach to tarot. And that in kind of sort of the more modern, um, all these modern disciplines we have, such as psychology and philosophy and the study of those things, that um, that there's a growing amount of people who are seeing it in the in a natural light now. Um, yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. So you know, psychology has been an amazing um, asset for tarot for understanding and using the cards in a very different way but mostly in the natural way too you can use tarot naturally without any supernatural subscription so to say right. um so with the with supernatural that's like the, this is like the classic um 
viewpoint with divination, divination itself is a magical act. Um, it's an act which you do in order to bridge the gap between man and God or gods, uh, the divine realm and the human realm. We use, uh, you know, historically many societies have used divination. I was just um, I'm taking a class uh, right now for my degree and it was ancient Greece and the term paper I wrote about was the Oracle Delphi. And um, the oracles in ancient Greece, for example, they had two types of people. They had oracles and they had the mantis. Um, the mantis were the seers. These were the people who we are more connected with with what we do than uh, the oracle. For example, the oracle Delphi and a tarot reader are very different. You know, we can't compare those two. The, the oracle, you know, was inspired by the god. She was, you know, she was a trans medium, so to say. You know, some would say she did trans work. She, she channeled. The God, um, other people say she, you know, was just breathing, breathing in too much methane gas uh, and, you know, was just high off a, you know, off a rocker. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, and then you have the Montes, the people who were the freelancers, people who would travel around. They were on the battlefield. They were advising people. They would, you know, read the entrails. They would read signs in the skies or, you know, the, 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 the flight path of birds. These were the interpreters of signs and omens in the world. And that's what we do with the tarot. We, we take our cards, we shuffle them, we toss them down, and we're, we're interpreting the cards, which are part of the natural world. They're objects in the world that we interact with and observe. With that, and the interpretation, now here's the thing. So the interpretation, is that interpretation magical? Is it supernatural in, you know, uh, in any way? You know, the ancients, they, you know, they believe the interpretation was a skill. You know, these, these seers, their craft was called mantiki uh, techni. So the techni is where we get the root, uh, the root word for technology, which is um, for, you know, uh, craft or skill. So they were practicing a skill that they could learn. And tarot you know, is something that you can learn. You don't need to be born into a family of psychics or tarot readers or anything special. You can pick up the cards and just learn. So, and then with the, some of them though, the seers, some seers, there are, you know, it, 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 history is kind of mixed. You know, they believe it was a skill that you could learn, but also it's partly inspired. There's part of it that is inspired. The seers back then, they did not think of themselves as really telling the future. They did not proclaim that they're telling the future or that they had paranormal or supernatural abilities separate from the god that they were, you know, being inspired by. So it, it's mixed. There's part um, spiritual, you know, inspiration there, and there's also craft and, and, tech, and, you know, and skill that they learn. So it's a mix. And I think that's, that's what we do, too, today, where, you know, it's a skill that you learn, but also there is a spiritual component to mm -hmm. it. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm thinking a lot about... Um... Well, I'm actually the, the god Hermes is coming to me as you're talking about it, and, and that yes, yeah, he's the god of divination. Yes, and and his capacity to kind of move between worlds, and you know, if you're if you're roaming around in basically the psychic stuff, um, which you know psychologically we could see as the unconscious material, and then you know it's has its nature and then if we bring it when we try and bring it back into our daily lives or ordinary world how do we bring it over so that it makes sense for the lives that we're living and I, I think that that's the gift of um, and the art of interpretation I, it's, it's an amazing experience to do that um, with the tarot in the modern world and it's, it's amazing how these very ancient uh, images can feel very alive in our everyday encounters and I would say that it has an enchanting effect on on and um it offers so much to our daily lives you know I think it a does lot it people, offers the ability to to connect yeah we can connect with others we can connect with ourselves through it and, and awareness it provides awareness yes also. it provides the special light on the life that you're living with um with a different glow of meaning or a connection to the gods um yeah. connection to something other than um, just A, B, and C, you know. Um, I, I find it has a, an incredible enchanting effect on, on daily it does. life. It does. It, it goes beyond the, the surface of things. You know, when, you're living exactly. our, when we live our lives, we live our lives at, at the surface of experience. 
And we don't really delve deep into really sit and reflect and to think when we're running around at work or, or, you know, at the grocery store or something. But when we can take a minute in the morning or at night and pull a card for, you know, uh, what is my, what, what, what are the influences around me today? And you get a card and you kind of can then put things that happen to you in a, in a different viewpoint. Exactly. I just love it for that. And I, I feel like mm, this perspective and this uh, tool that you can have in your life will transform the way you just see your own problems and see other people's problems. And it can yeah. um, bring, bring things to a new level. I just love it. So under the supernatural, you talk, you go into detail in your book about the Akashic records and energy and synchronicity. Um, yeah. Synchronicity is kind of, it feels like the gateway or the door that leads into the next um, section of the natural approach. Um, yeah, it, bo- it borders it, yeah. Yeah, it borders it because um, Carl Jung had um, his ideas on synchronicity, which really helped me to understand or approach the tarot in a new way. And did you want to say anything else more about the supernatural before we... Yeah, the, the supernatural, the supernatural, you know, it is also diverse. So you have the supernatural viewpoint, but then there's different viewpoints in the supernatural. You have the old school, you know, direct communication to a god or spirit. So it's more personal, I would say that way, uh, that you're interacting with an entity or a, uh, you know, an agent of, of, of the divine realm. Then you have less personal or impersonal um, supernatural, which would be the Akashic, Akashic records, energy, um, uh, 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 forces, and synchronicity. Those things, you know, there is, from my view, there's no there's no entity there that you're interacting with. It's more of like a an abstract body of knowledge, for example, with the Akashic records. Um, it's that non-physical realm where, you know, things, events in life are recorded down, and then you can access the, that information. Yeah. So, you're not interacting with an agent. You're interacting with like a, a, a field of knowledge that you can get information from. And then you have energies and forces. Those, again, are more ambiguous and not personal um, and hard to define, really. You know, the, the, a close equivalent would be like the chi in um, mm-hmm. Asian philosophy, kind of like just like the energy that moves in, all around us and animates life. Yeah. And then you have synchronicity, like you said, with Carl Jung, that, you know, he believed that um, nothing was really random, that everything had meaning to it. Is that a good nutshell definition? Is that, that's very nice. You're very clear. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the synchronicity being the meaningful meetings between um, conscious material and unconscious material. Um, so uh, when those two things meet, like when you have a dream and then there's something you see the next day. Um, I guess we can see that kind of in a divinatory light, but we can also see that in a synchronistic way. Like what, what's meeting here between the, the conscious world and the unconscious? Yeah. Um, or when you, uh, I feel like it's the experience whenever I turn over a tarot card and I'm like, that's exactly what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's something inside of me that's meeting a mirror in the exactly. Have you ever, like, you know, been shuffling your cards for a reading and you think to yourself, oh, I know what card's going to come up. It's going to be this card. It's going to be in the reading. And that card does come up. Absolutely. Yeah. All the time time. with me, too. Like, you know, people, you know, will come to me for a reading. They tell me their situation. I already have a card in my mind of, like, oh, it's death card or something or, like, sun or something. Like, this is going to be in this reading. And it comes up. Yeah. And I'm just like. Is that is that my mind knowing really what's going on, or did I influence that? I don't know. It's, it's really interesting <laughs> that like I kind of, you, you, but it's also the, your your intuitive language is in tarot. So when someone's talking to you, you kind of speak a tarot language, like oh, that's such a like a an emperor energy. Mhm. Right. So you you already recognize what's going on, and then tarot validates and says yes, that is emperor energy. <laughs> and how good does it feel to share this experience? And I bet all of you know, so many of our audience who plays with tarot cards or works with tarot cards, I'm sure they're having this experience too and are feeling like, yeah, oh, it's an amazing we have that experience. too. We know this exists. This is amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just one of those little moments where you kind of go like, yeah, we're, 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 we're synced right now. I mean, me and the cards are synced and, you know, things are, are uh, aligning up. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a good feeling. It's so rewarding and um, oh, it's just a wonderful experience. So moving now into the natural, 
um, I was, this was a new word for me, and but I was really excited about it because it, it uh, relates to the way that I like to work with tarot and actually relates to the deck that I created. Um, uh, correct me if I'm pronouncing it right, um, or if I'm not pronouncing it right, apophenia? Yeah, apophenia. Yeah, so I work with um, with cards, and I've made my own deck, which is, they're, all they are is, is pictures of billion-year-old stones that have naturally occurring imagery in them. So there's no labels, there's no numbers even, it's just imagery. Oh, nice. So I have a connection for each card to the major arcana, but um, but I leave that loose for people for their own interpretations. And um, can you speak more about this phenomenon um, that would fall under the natural, um, the apophenia? Yeah, apophenia is a um, response to Carl Jung. So Carl Jung, you know, came out with his, you know, synchronicity theory. And then this guy, Klaus Conrad, in the 50s, coined the term apophenia, which is, you know, um, his skepticism towards it. And basically that our minds will look at things that are random and find a meaning in them. Right. Mm-hmm. So we put the meaning into something that's random, and we do do this, and they've done studies on this, that, you know, when you, let's when you're looking at clouds, and you, we see faces, or you're looking at, like, we see faces and everything because we're programmed as, you know, humans to recognize faces right away. Exactly, because uh, I've heard several theories on this when we're infants, you know, the world is a blur. We're trying to make sense of it, but it's in our minds. We need to be able to see a face to to survive because we need to know someone's there to take care of us. So it's sort of an inborn thing, but there's also, you know, the survival element of when we get older and we were in the, you know, a camouflaged world and we needed to hunt for animals or or uh, protect ourselves from other people. And we need, we would need to make out the human form or human or other kinds of faces in nature. Yeah, exactly. For survival, yeah. so it's very mm-hmm. ingrained. It's very imprinted. So when we see randomness, um, our mind is searching for um, order. How, you know, we're, we're looking for faces. We're looking for those other beings out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so this is sort of the roar related to Rorschach, perhaps, and. I think it's part of the story, right? It doesn't feel like it's the whole story with tarot, but um, it does feel like, you know, we 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 do have this great capacity to see things in things and and use our imaginations and really open up a a new world. Yeah, and and with this kind of mindset that if you know when we interpret things that are random, this view would then say, well, tarot is then all random. It has no meaning. Right. And, that when you mm-hmm. do, and when you do a reading, you're, you know, tossing cards randomly and you are trying to make sense out of that. You're looking for meaning. You're putting meaning into the randomness. Which feels a little, you know, um, Cartesian, like we're the holders of meaning and we're just projecting it on the world. So it's kind of, it feels a little sad to me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it feels and, like and, it, has, it has a good, you know, scientific grounding for using the tarot, but it's it feels like there's more more to the story. It's too materialistic. It's very materialistic, yeah. And um, yeah. I feel like there's more of a dialogue. I feel when I use the tarot and, and the stones that I use, I feel like there's they have something that they're showing me and I have something that I'm bringing to the table and that the, the two are dialoguing. Um, that's my experience anyway. Yeah, and then, you know, going along with this line of thought as well, you know, they would, they would say that... Um, no matter what card comes up in a reading, you can always apply it to the situation. So you really can't be wrong in a reading because every card applies. Do you think that's true? You know, maybe to some degree. I was recently at um, a tarot class, the tarot salon with the tarot school, you know, with the Amberstones. And Wall, you know, likes to, you know, he, he makes the, I'm paraphrasing that he says, you know, the card, the, the tarot deck is a, each image is a self-portrait of the self and each card is doing something at some time inside you mm-hmm. you know oh, you're living the, you're living the tarot it, it's happening inside you the you know justice is doing something inside you the two of wands is doing something inside you it might be uh, active or passive or might be you know dominant or wh- whatever it is but everything's going on um 
so in one way, you know, you can, I would say, with that kind of, with that thinking, uh, what he, when he says that, my, my reasoning would be then, yeah, anytime then, if any card comes up, you can identify it somehow, some way with you. Oh, interesting. That's, that's really, uh, I, I feel resonance with that. Um, and I, it's bringing up a memory of when Julianne and I would work with cards together, she would do archetypal readings with me and I would do a tarot for her and um, it was so interesting the different ways that we would choose cards you know we would have them uh, face down and you know I would I always kind of use my hand and I always feel this I feel something on the inside uh, it's almost a physical feeling like a sensation or a burning like oh it's that one <laughs> yeah but her approach is much more you know it's, it could be any card it's really it's just pick anyone it's it's there's no wrong card you know and yeah. um, it's just so, and I think both are absolutely uh, correct, you know, and um, I think it's about your own individual approach and feeling with that. Exactly. But as long as you walk away with meaning from it yeah. and you walk away with something, then it, it it doesn't matter how it works as long as you got something out of it. Have you ever had um, a meaningless reading? Um, Sometimes, I guess. But, you know, if I pull a card and I don't understand it's because I don't have enough context or mm -hmm. I need to wait for things to transpire for it to make more sense. 2020, you know, hindsight's 2020, they say. But um, it, it happens. Sometimes, you know, you just you can't see that. You just don't understand what's being told to you. Right, exactly, yeah. And um, um, I hear that the stronger you feel about what you're bringing to the cards, the the stronger the reading that's, is. Oh, yeah, that, that's what I was going to try. I, I, my, my mind went blank. I was like, oh, what was I going to say next? But it was, it was <laughs> that. You know, even, even if the cards are all random and you could apply something, each card to something in your life, how strongly does it feel, though? You know, sometimes you pull a card and you go, oh, my God, yes. This is strong, <laughs> yeah. strong recognition that this card, there's no way that card came up to this. Like, freaking, like, no way. And then there's some, you know, so... <laughs> So yeah. you know if, but let's but then you can say let's say you switch that card out with a different card and say what if well what if this card came up how strongly would there have been a resonation with that card for that question you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so I feel you, like some are very stronger than others for sure yeah so yeah. you know you you just have to gauge how how strong of a connection it is yeah um, well I um, I'm excited to uh, take this conversation about feeling strongly about a card and yeah. um and move into our we love to choose a um a card for every interview that we do on this series of the podcast and okay. um and we've spoken in advance that the card temperance is one that you're interested in at this time oh, and, that, um, yes. Temperance. Yes, I'm um I'm so excited that you've chosen this because I feel like it's a theme and a card that's up for both Julianne and I when we last checked in. Um it's also a card that I I feel like I've I'm the, the least historically um connected to. Like I, it's a card I don't understand as much as other cards. So I would love to delve into this card and to see you know what your view on it, how it might be applying to struggles or themes that we're facing in this day and age and you know anything you got on the temperance I would love to hear about it yeah so temperance for me yeah it's it's this card that resonates with me because we live in a world today I guess of extremism mm -hmm. on many different levels we have extremism in society on uh on like the level of food we you know there's people who eat too much, there's people who eat too little, you know, there's, in, in politics, there's people too far to the left, there's people too far to the right. Mm -hmm. um, you have religious fundamentalism and extremism, you have terrorism, you know, fueled by political ideology that's, you know, extremist on one side, religion that fuels it, you have society that tells you to live life to an extreme, that if you're not doing X, Y, Z, you know, you know, you're not living fully. So I feel like we have a society that, you know, makes it appealing or desirable to have a life in excess. Mm -hmm. uh, excess is another way of, you know, um, describing extreme. Uh, extre extremity can be, you know, um, worded as excess too, because it's too much, too much of something. 
And, you know, we want, at least in American society, I find it's like, you know, you want to have a big house, you want to have a big car, you have to have a job that makes lots of money, you have to have lots of things, you know, if you don't have, if you don't have a lot of anything, you know, one thing, or you don't have uh, a life that, you know, seems to be minimal, then you're not living. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Am I, am I picking up on? Oh, man. Well, I mean, just looking at the news (laughs) recently, it's all extreme. And, um, and it, it feels it feels good to hear about um, a, a card that is you know that might be addressing this. So, what does temperance have to offer this mind this extremist mindset? Temperance is the middle way. Um, different schools of thought, whether it be Aristotle's um, Golden Mean or the Buddhist Middle Path, it's all about living life in accordance with. Um, the laws of nature, the, 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 the natural world, to live in accordance with those ro- rules and, and those laws and not fall into excess or extremes or one side or the other. You have to be balanced in life. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't fall on one side because then life is unbalanced and things kind of fall out of whack. So let's, let's remind me of the image of the temperance. It's a woman, right? Is she, is she yeah, an angel? Yeah, it's an ambiguous figure. It's an angel. Um, I'm trying to remember which angel it is. It is uh, Angel Michael, I think. Oh. Oh, wow. And Michael, yeah, in the, in the Bible, I'm, I'm trying to read it out. I'm writing out of my book a little bit. I have the chapter open. It says, um, I wrote, in the Bible, Michael is known to have defeated Lucifer before casting him out of heaven in art. A common depiction of Michael shows him slaying a dragon, which is, you know, Lucifer. This is the triumph of light over dark. So too does temperance overcome darkness with light by accepting the dark as an essential part of light, keeping it in balance. Hmm. You know, this is reminding me so much of, I read a book recently called um, How to Be Idle. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't remember his first name, but his last name is Hodgkinson, I think, but after the disease. But <laughs> um, <laughs> I love this book because it was all about how to do nothing. <laughs> Yeah, which is the total antidote to, I think, our daily lifestyle, which is all action, um, you know, kind of doing everything to the extreme. And um, this was a book on all of the wonderful things in life that weren't um, weren't those, you know, busyness things. And um, it's interesting, too, because it includes subjects that might be kind of a bit taboo, you know, in terms of like smoking is one chapter, drinking is another chapter, sleeping Mm -hmm. in, you know, um, kind of vices that, you know, these are things that we've seen as vices. And I think, I think the message, the message ultimately of the book is, you know, of course, don't fall into not doing anything ever, but, um, but that we've got to have this balance of doing and not doing um, and that the creative energies, the connections to ourselves, the, the true connections to others happens when we're not doing, doing, doing a whole lot um, in the extreme. Yes, um, yes, definitely. And temperance, temperance is a moderation. It's yes. knowing how much is enough. Yes. And knowing when too, too little is, you know, too little. Right. And so this angel is, is a guide for us in... in and Reminding have, us, yeah. Yes, yeah, and and it it kind of I I would love to take it into the the dieting realm too. I mean, there's a diet book for everything. Yeah. Um, and it, it's all extreme. Like you can never eat this again, or don't do this. And uh, oh, if you eat a lot of this, then you'll be fine. Um, and I've been tapping into more books about you know really sensing and and feeling your you know, what's going on in the somatic realm when, when you eat, are you full, are you uh, over full and, and really having more of a sense of where you're at with anything as opposed to like, don't do this and do this and all those sort of external measures. Yeah. And temperance would say, you know, like for food, for, for diet, temperance would say you need to moderate. It's personal. Everyone, everyone's physiological makeup is different. Like for me, example, I need to moderate my carbs. Mm-hmm. And I'm Greek. That's very hard. I like bread. <laughs> like my bread. I like my bread and my pasta. Don't don't tell me I can't have my bread. <laughs> oh my gosh! I know. 
I just got Mediter- an Italian Mediterranean thing. Too. <laughs> but you have to you have to know when too much is too much. And I remember right. a couple mm-hmm. a month ago, I cut out carbs and I lost weight very quickly. But the moment I started eating them again, it came back. So I'm just like, exactly. what the, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it, that's what um um this health at every size is the book. Um, and it, it speaks about, uh, how, you know, cutting everything out is pretty unrealistic. And then when you go back, it's actually worse, you know? <laughs> yeah. So you have so, to find out what, what, what's the middle ground for yourself. Like what, exactly. what is equilibrium? What was equilibrium for me for food? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and not try to fall into extremes of, I, I can't eat this or I need lots of this, you know, too much of a good thing is bad. They say. Right. And if all of us can find this on an individual level with the the way that we live our lives, can, can that affect the larger picture This where there's ex- extremes, as you say, everywhere um, and polarity? If we can learn how to find our middle way and live it, uh, how profoundly can this affect the the larger scope? Yeah, and you, you know, one of the thing that one of the things that in society that fuels this extremism, I think, is fear. Mm-hmm. We're living in a society of fear right now. Everything is fear generated, and when you when you do that, it makes people uh, react extremely. Look at our politics right. right now. Look at the politics for the last like uh, God knows, like ten, fifteen, twenty years, whatever. You know, since I was a kid, it's been about fear. Fear this person. Fear that thing. This is what's going to kill you. This is, you know, it's everything is out to hurt you. Mm-hmm. And people react extremely, you know, they'll go one way. They won't think because they just want to protect themselves and they're fearful. That's right. And and um, how much will fear affect the upcoming election is, is pretty interesting, right? It, um, it is. It's all about fear. It's fear. Trump, right. we can go a little bit into it. You know, Trump, you know, is base this whole thing on fear. This, these people are no good for this country. They want to come in and ruin it for you. And everyone's like, no, no, rah, rah, make America great. Bullshit. Right, um, right. And then so Hillary is going to respond, well, we need to be fearful if Trump becomes president, so vote for me. It, it's like, you know, there are, you know, she's trying to do the lesser of evil kind of yeah. thing, like I'm the lesser of evil. Well, she's not saying that, but like, you know, people are going to look at that and be like, well, she's the lesser evil. You know, Trump is really evil. You know, it's been like that for such a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we vote we vote for the lesser evil. Right. Uh, gosh, we're almost getting into the devil card here. <laughs> yeah. Now now we're going to the devil a little bit because now we're here. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's stay on temperance. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I think, well, this is just amazing to see temperance as a guide through this time. Um, I'm just realizing this as we're talking about it, and uh, it's just a card that I, you know, I never really understood, but I. Feel like it might be something that's in my, been in my shadow, maybe in the shadow of the culture, um, mm-hmm. and really needs to be accessed at this time and dialogued with. Oh yeah, of course. You know, and uh, astrologically, Temperance is Sagittarius. Oh. Hmm. And Sagittarius is a you know is understanding, very open-minded, benevolent, um, likes freedom and exploration. You know, wants to explore the world. And so when you have temperance, it influences temperance to be communicative and expresses uh, cooperation between oppositions. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. So you see like the mixing of the two cups, usually two different elements. You're, you're combining and you're trying to mix and, you know, find a way to, to cooperate. So there's a, there's a more practical, you know, other meanings to the temperance card. I use, you know, I see this card also about cooperation and collaboration and communication and, you know, coming to to terms of understanding one another. And that goes back into moderation. If you if if you want to moderate something, you need to understand it better. What's what's causing the extremism? Well, I just can't help but uh dive into a political uh I know. question. It, it's, it's important. Um, it, it's really important what's going on right it now. It is. Um so I there's a pretty fun part of your book which is about um making predictions come out of the Democratic uh, results between Bernie and uh, Hillary. And uh, so yeah. what, what card did you choose and how did you interpret it? Oh, God, I think um, it was the Six of Wands easy for her. I think she got Six of Wands. I was like, fuck, I'm like, she's going to win. 
<laughs> so why the six of wands? What 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 is it? How do, how was that so definitive? Can you? How uh, it's for me that is the victory card. Oh, I see. That, that is the winner. That is someone who's triumphed and won over their their uh, their enemies. Because if you look at the five of wands, we have a, a competition between five people, and then in the six, we have one person on their horse, you know, um, marching in with you know supporters, and they they're the victor. Oh wow! How interesting. Yeah. And so, uh, when are you going to do your prediction for Trump and Hillary? Um, probably closer, right, right around the election. And, and like so, is is this a practice you do that it's these predictions you do very close yeah. to the event? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, usually, like I like to do every year, the Super Bowl readings to see who's going to win the Super Bowl. I don't. I really don't care about the Super Bowl except for like the halftime show and fun commercials. <laughs> but um, it's a good way to you know show. Can Tara do that? Can Tara make predictions on that stuff? And more times than not, it has been correct on my Super Bowl predictions. And I do it on the day of the Super Bowl because I, I feel that the closer you are to the event transpiring the more accurate the reading can be. Yeah, and it, it relates to what we were talking about earlier about how strongly you feel about something makes for a better reading. Uh, I'm sure there's so much energy in the air around the game that day or around the election that day um, that it's, it's probably going to just give it more oomph, more charge. Yeah. Um, well, excellent. In- this was this is really a territory that Julian and I um, we haven't explored too much on this. Here we're we're very psychologically mm-hmm. oriented with our looking at the archetypes, um, but I'd I'd love to talk a little bit about that because we we do have audience members who are interested in this um, what we've called the woo woo, but woo woo. I try to keep it woo woo free. Like yeah. it's funny. As I like also with temperance, I have my foot on land and foot in water. So I like to, I see myself as more of a logical reader. Yeah, you seem that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, instead of like, like everyone's all, oh, I'm intuitive, intuition, you know, follow your, you know, like your, your, like your gut. I'm, I'm just like, well, I'm looking this logically that, you know, and yeah. I, and I'm, I kind of want to debate um, someone about this. I want to, I want to do like a, a, a video with this that, you know, intuitive versus logical. Oh, and, um, because with me, with me, with the cards, when I'm looking at, when I throw cards that I'm looking at it, I feel like my mind is doing a lot of work where it's making the connections. It's looking at, you know, the, the, um, the ratio of like elements or majors, or like what's coming up. And then um, just, it's looking for all those patterns and it's trying mm-hmm. to connect the dots. And then, you know, if I see this card with this card, well, it's going to mean this. It's like a formula. It's like a math equation. You have one plus one, it's going to be two. If you have, you know, you know, two cups and lovers, it looks like it's going to be a good partnership just because you can understand those elements, add them together, you get a result. There's really no intuition on that level. Wow. Well, For me. Uh, maybe we should do that debate because I'm, I am not very logical. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like a feeling intuitive. That's actually my Jungian uh, makeup on the Myers-Briggs uh, test. Um, I, I, I would have a hard time reading tarot that way, but I I can really appreciate that approach. And, yeah. Um, but I don't avoid myself of the intuition. You know, right. when mm-hmm. it does come up, when it when it when it shows its face, I recognize it and I and I write it down and I make it known to whoever I'm reading that this is something that kind of came in that you know uh, that I heard or you know it happens from time to time, but it's not the basis of what I do that, you know, when you come to me, you're getting a full blown, like intuitive, there's, right. there's structure mm-hmm. what I do. And then intuition kind of provides uh, I mean, commentary. For for example, I was reading for a client for a new year reading for her and her, you know, card for the year was the hermit card. And I got um, insight intuitively saying, you know, this year, I, I, I feel like you have to wise up. You can't be naive anymore. You need to be more wise and just, you know, wise up was the word that came to me. Came to me. And then she wrote back, she goes, oh, my God, I was just thinking to myself, like, last week how I need to be more wise or I need to, I need to wise up in life. I was like, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and that's intuition, you know, that was yeah. prompted by the hermit. 
So it's really important to come to the tarot as a whole person. You've got your logical mind and you have your emotional qualities, you have your intuitive qualities. And I think bringing that all is a way to, to allow, allow it all to be awakened. And um, Definitely. Temperance, you have to moderate all those elements. Right, exactly. So too much intuition might um, be a kind of a too ethereal of a reading. Too much yeah. logic might be just too in the mind. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think that's a, like that's a balance. point. Mm-hmm. Find that balance there. Um, you talk about the word fortune teller in your book, and and it, it was interesting what you had noticed in the community of people who uh, work with tarot that that this really has become started to become sort of a taboo word, um, and I can understand it because in the work that I have cut out doing tarot or working with cards has been to help people. You know, it's like a it's a little more on the counseling end, though. Uh, I'm not a, a registered therapist, but it's more of a advising consultation approach um, and self-exploration. Um, and, I, you know, I didn't want people to think that I was reading their future. Um, but I wasn't aware until I read your book about um, how real, you know, that taboo has become that people are not fortune tellers and uh, who do tarot and um, they feel very strongly about it. Um, how have you, how do you understand this title or this word or identity and um, how have you sort of reclaimed it or, or what's your relation to it? Uh, my relationship to it is always an ongoing process. You know, I, I don't officially call myself a fortune teller. I will throw it around, you know, to people who are not, you know, initiated into the metaphysical world like we are. You know, someone, you know, I'm talking, talking to casually and I say, look, I do tarot. And they go, well, what's that? I'm like, you know, I'm like a fortune telling. And they go, oh, and it's like, it's a way just for them to kind of get an uh, idea of what it's familiar, I, right. To be familiar. And then I go, well, you know, I do fortune telling, but I don't do fortune telling. <laughs> like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice. So, yeah, I, I found that that was my biggest struggle when I was first getting started is I wanted to tell people what I was doing, but I, did, I didn't want them to get confused. <laughs> And see me with yeah. the turban on, and you know whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to be mm-hmm. stigmatized or whatever. So uh, I think it's been one, an interesting. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I cut you off. What were you gonna say? No, go ahead. I was just finishing up. Mm-hmm. And and one of the the I guess the criticism of fortune telling is that people will say fortune telling is not empowering. You know that it doesn't really serve any benefit to the client if you're just doing fortune telling, and. Um, I think that's a misconception because knowing the future, let's say you, you are doing fortune telling, you're telling someone this, you know, this is what, what's going to happen. You're doing prediction work. Pre- predictive readings is fortune telling. You're telling someone the, the future. But if you know what's going on, if you have an idea of what could happen or what's coming down your way, you're better prepared. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. you can either be ready for it if it can't be changed or if it can be changed, you can do your goddamn best to change it. <laughs> right. If you don't, and, if you don't like what's coming down the pike. That's right, and it helps you to just take the space and the time to look at all the possibilities of what's happening. Yeah, um, and what I remember result. when I was in um, um, in high school when I was, you know, doing tarot in the beginning. I was really into the fortune telling and the predictions. And I would always test it to see if I can, you know, what, what I can, you know, find out. And I remember one time, oh, my God, this is this was insane. I was in math class, and we took a math test, and I wanted to know what grade I was going to get. And <laughs> I wish, I, oh, my God, I wish I saved the, the formula of how I did this. Like, I pulled five or six cards, and I, there was this website that had numbers associated for each card. So I added up, like, all those numbers for what those cards were associated for and then I divided by like two or something or whatever it was and I got then I got 80 uh, 84 and I got oh. an 84 on the test <laughs> I was like oh my like when I, I'm sitting in class going holy shit and everyone's like looking at me I'm like uh nothing never mind <laughs> you know? wow that's amazing that that's fortune telling that's predictive right there that's a wow. clear clear, mm-hmm. clear example wow well, I haven't even explored that whole territory of the tarot, um, but I wanted to let our audience know that you give a quite you go into quite a bit of detail about how you do that, and you give sample readings and samples 
games and results and um, if so if people are interested in that um, they can take a look in your chapters of your book so, yes definitely. when is it being yeah. released or is it I, just it, out actually released right now it was released in april um the first uh the, the official release was actually at reader studio in april i um i had copies there shipper was there and it sold out so fast at reader studio i was busy i was so busy signing books my pens dried up <laughs> oh my gosh that's so fantastic congratulations yeah, that's great uh you know people can go on amazon uh to order a copy uh or if you want to order a copy for me to have it signed you can do that on my website angelonasios.com oh fantastic Congratulations on your book. I was lucky to get one of your earliest copies. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And um, we can also find you on Facebook and Twitter. YouTube um, and Instagram. <laughs> you're you're all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I, I try a little bit. I like, to, I like to be there out there in the um, atmosphere or the, the cyber world. I'm actually going to be in... Uh, I'll be presenting at TarotCon in October with uh, the uh, Tarot Association. Oh, fantastic. Yes, it's uh, it's great. I'm looking forward to it. It's in October, the weekend of the, the 9th, I believe. And I might be at Tarot, um, not Tarot, um, Comic-Con uh, as well in New York City. I might be there one day. It's uh, up in the air at the moment. Oh, nice. Well, and all this information will be on your website? Yes, it will be up on there shortly. Oh, excellent. Well, that would be just great to meet you in person, get a signed book, yeah. um, talk more tarot. Um, we just really loved having you on our podcast. Thank you so much for contacting us and um, talking about temperance. And uh, let us know uh, what, your, what your predictions are for the election. I'd be super, super interested. Oh yeah, I'm probably gonna do a video on that or a blog. So oh YouTube, boy, okay, yeah, thank you for that. Yep, blog. So yeah, it'll be up there. Oh my gosh, and and uh, just know that the only fear is fear itself, right? <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> All right. Well, I thank you so much, Angelo, for joining us, and um, we hope to see you around somewhere in the tarot community out there. Thank you so much for having me. This was a great pleasure, great conversation. I hope to do it again. Aloha, podcast listeners. Thank you so much for your patience with us. I just realized that this is the first podcast of 2016 and we're already eight months in. So that little sabbatical um, was not really planned to be that long, but um, Sundar and I do promise to be much better about getting podcasts out on a regular basis. Our goal is to do it monthly. More on that coming up. And thank you for your patience and we really hope you enjoyed the show. We have some great people lined up for future interviews. So stay tuned with us and Find us on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, let us know what you want us to talk about. We love hearing your suggestions. So aloha and you'll be hearing more from us soon.